your hour of Thrive Time begins now with your host, Jay Mamie, on the Jay Mamie Talk Show. Jay Mamie Talk Show. Welcome, everyone, once again to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. My name is Jay Mamie, and you are now entering the next hour of Thrive Time. I'm excited that you're with us today. Today's going to be a fantastic show yet again. Let me thank you, though, if you're visiting the show for the first time. I want to give you the utmost uh, appreciation because your investment of time today will have tremendous payoff. So thank you for joining us. And if you are returning listeners, right now we have thousands of returning listeners that are catching the show either live here on Sunday mornings or on our recordings that are available at our archive section at the jmamietalkshow.com. I appreciate your support. Thank you for joining us once again. And by the way, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving 2020 for those of you this week that will be traveling. I encourage you to stay safe, but yet enjoy your family and and be grateful and thankful because there are things that you can highlight in your life to be thankful about. And they deserve uh, for you to recognize them. So happy Thanksgiving 2020. By the way, today's show is going to be dynamite. It's a stellar program, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to launching into it in just a few minutes. On our show today, our featured guest is Brian Fleming. Brian is an author and a, and a resilient speaker, and I love that, a resilient speaker. Having been a combat veteran who served, uh, who survived rather two suicide bombings, we'll have a chance to hear from him in our featured guest section coming up. And our business spotlight is also another veteran military doctor, Dr. Carlos Chapa, who now is an extremely popular and and sought after holistic physician. He'll be on the show today, sharing us with us his wisdom. So we've got a great show in store for you today, as usual. By the way, if you've not had a chance to hear our prior episodes, let me encourage you to go to the jmamietalkshow.com to the archive section, and you can hear, in fact, let me encourage you, binge here. And and the truth is you will begin to binge here because the show is very addicting. And as I've said in the prior episodes, uh, it's hard to stop at one. <laughs> it's hard to stop at one. So the archive section has the recording of all of our prior episodes, including this past week with Robert Cuccioli. It was a dynamic show. It was a highly, it was our highest rated show yet. And our show just continues to have increases in ratings, but this certainly, uh, this one hit over the top. So you're going to love that show with Robert Cuccioli. You can catch it on the business archive. And while you're there, folks, make sure that you peek over to our business directory section. We've got amazing people that support the show. And every week we are adding new ones to our business directory section because they're excellent. Some of these folks I've done uh, work with, so I completely endorse what they do. And by the way, while you're at the site, make sure you check out our future shows. We do, uh, as best possible, program the future shows so you know who's going to be on the show and and who we're highlighting and what segments are going to have uh, special people on. So make sure that you catch that as well. And by the way, make sure finally that you follow me on Instagram at the J Mamie. You could also follow me on Twitter and you can go to my Facebook page, the J Mamie. Find that page and make sure that you like it and and tap into and tune into what we're doing there. And uh, while you're at it, if you're on social media anyway, if you're online, scoot on over to my YouTube channel, the J Mamie, and make sure you subscribe and smash that button because I, I can tell you we're uploading and constantly providing great value on there as well. 
By the way, our listener from New Jersey, Millie M., we have had listeners write in, email me, text me. Uh, They've been reaching out with questions, as I've encouraged many of you to do. If there's a question that you want answered, if there's something that you are thinking about based on one of our prior shows, uh, go ahead and send me an email. Go ahead and post something on Facebook. Hence the reason why it's great that you stay in touch with me and follow me and subscribe and so on and so forth because it'll give us a chance to stay connected. We've got a great question from Millie M. from New from Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, she's a big fan of Robert Cuccioli, and she was listening to the show last week. And her question, just now I'm going to summarize her question. Her question really has a lot to do with Choosing the path that's right for you. So her question, uh, just to kind of give you the skinny on it, she's involved in the career path that she's not excited about, she's not happy about. She knows there's something better for her to do out there. But uh, she appreciated Robert's story where he was a financial advisor and then all of a sudden he decided to pivot in order to follow his passion and he became a performing artist. I think she's in the same uh, mindset. She's in, she's stuck in the same place. So she asked me, how do you choose the right path? And when do you know? Her question was, when do you know to make your move? When do you know to make your move? And I imagine there are so many people out there that are in the same place. They are currently doing something they're not excited about. They, they sort of know it's not my calling. I'm not really excited about this, but you're stuck, right? You feel like you're in sort of a, a prison. You're doing jail time. Uh, when you know that your heart and your talent and your passions could be better served elsewhere. You could be happy, but it's scary, right, to, to, to pivot that way, especially when there's probably other people that are relying on on your consistency and, and the stability and the predictability of, of a salary, of production. I, I, I can imagine that. So it's scary. Robert mentioned that he made a pivot, and it was based on really, as he called it, ignorance. And uh, Millie, I'm going to share with you that that is usually the case. When you decide that you are sick and tired of being sick and tired to an extent, and you want to pursue your passion, you want to pivot so you can pursue your passion, it will take a measure of ignorance, meaning you cannot expect to know everything that that you are going to encounter as you make that move. It's not predictable. It'll be a measure of uncertainty that you're going to face. But ultimately, uh, Millie, you have to ask yourself, what's more important to me? To be happy, to follow my passion, even if it means taking a measure of risk or stay where I'm at because it's predictable, it's consistent. There's a great degree of certainty, but I'm miserable every day. I think, Millie, for for what you are looking to do, and it's for many of you that are, I, I can imagine you're at that crossroad. Let me encourage you. Follow the path of passion because it will lead you to a place of happiness. You'll find that your talents and gifts were designed for the purpose of you following that passion as opposed to getting stuck in somewhere that doesn't serve you, doesn't serve your joy, doesn't serve the talents that you've been gifted with. Um, I think you'll find that it'll be a lot happier. It might be scary in the beginning, but I think in the end you'll find yourself to be a lot happier like a lot of us can, att- can testify to that. Um, as well. So Millie, I hope that helps. And I hope that helps a lot of you as well. But in light of today's show, which centers around resiliency, I I submit that there is an undeniable truth in life. And that is, it's easy to quit 
anything. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to quit anything. It really takes no effort. The natural impulse or urge or what I call the quit muscle, it needs no training, no exercising, no development. We just, we just have it. In fact, it's always in shape and it's ready to be called into action. We all have it. And it stands ready to remind us that it is but a short thought or decision away. That's this, this urge, this, this quit muscle that I talk about. The truth is this urge, this impulse, this quit muscle, it never sleeps. There's absolutely no stamina needed. When you decide that you'll stop doing something because of difficulties, uh, possibly boredom, challenges, Weather, criticism, fear, doubt, and on and on. However, the pursuit of a worthwhile endeavor doesn't let you off the hook that easily. And I want to repeat that. The pursuit of a worthwhile endeavor doesn't let you off the hook, at least not that easily. That road comes with a ton of manure loaded with flies and bees. <laughs> Just ask anyone or any group that's ever achieved a high level of success or they've attained any goal or dream, and they'll tell you that the journey towards that pursuit, it was laden with bumps, bruises, broken bones, and black eyes, <laughs> and a measure of soreness and shortness of breath, not to mention doubt, discouragement, disappointment, and dummies along the way that connected with you. Yet somehow... Somehow they kept on. They kept on keeping on. They developed along the way success, stamina. And resiliency requires stamina. Every setback that these people who kept on keeping on, these people who succeeded at something, even though it was tough and difficult, and any, any opportunities that presented themselves for them to decide to quit made, uh, made themselves very abundant to them. These people realized that every setback was an opportunity to strengthen their resolve and build more stamina for the road ahead. I'm convinced that if you ask any one of these individuals or groups or anyone who's had a measure of overcoming difficulty, being resilient, and creating the stamina that allowed them to be successful, if you ask any one of these people, if they had any idea when they would arrive at the doorstep of their goals and dreams, they would honestly say no. They had no idea when they would arrive. They would probably say that they knew they would arrive, but would uh, but did not know, had no clue as to when. That's stamina. Realizing that the goal or, or dream that you have is worth the struggle, my friends, that's the first step in developing stamina. Without a solid commitment to see your effort through, as well as accepting the fact that you will have to endure trials along the way, it only serves to give you to give more power to the arch enemy of stamina, and that is quit. Without a commitment to see your effort through and realizing there's efforts, there's going to be trials along the way, you're only giving more power to the arch enemy of stamina, and that's quit. Here's the rub, guys. The longer the journey, the greater the stamina you will need, period. There's no getting around this. My friends, the greater the goal, the greater the journey will be. It's incumbent upon you, number one, to assess the goal and the journey 
and determine whether or not you have stamina. You have the stamina to see it through, period. So many people fail because they never take the time to assess if they even possess the stamina to see their endeavor to the end. However, for those who do cross the finish line of their dreams, let me tell you what happens. They look back on all the challenges they faced along the way, and they all agree it was worth it. Additionally, the success stamina that they developed along the way, it only serves to prepare them for the next one ahead, for the next journey ahead, for the next trial ahead. Guys, we're going to come back after our segment speaking to someone that has a whole lot to say about resiliency when we come back after the break, we'll be speaking to Brian Fleming. One of the books that I recently wrote has helped so many people that are stuck in this place where they are now in what I call a downward spiral. Hello, everyone. This is Jay Mamie, and I want to encourage you to take a look at a book called Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On. If you are struggling or being challenged by fear or anxiety or doubt or depression or discouragement, this book is for you. It's called Battling Invisible Enemies, Facing Your Inner Struggles Head On. You can buy the book at jmamie.com. Hi, this is Christina, CEO and founder of Tem Connect. I know this year has been difficult for many businesses and people in the workforce. Have your hours been reduced or possibly lost your job due to the pandemic? Are you looking to make up or earn an additional income by finding a side gig or a temp job? Are you a business that is currently looking to hire a full-time, part-time, seasonal, or temporary employee? Download Temp Connect from the App Store or contact me directly at 720-668-0988. You know what's not healthy? Stressing about work. Or maybe you're out of work. Stop. Hit reset. You can start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. Financial aid in including the GI Bill, is available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. I just tried this wonderful, catalicious Dynavite for cats. She is not scratching anymore. She's not chewing anymore. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I was thrilled when I heard Dynavite for cats was coming out because I had seen the changes in my dog. If you love your pets as much as I do, you want to do what's best for them to live long, healthy, happy lives. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your cat will be. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. On the line right now, our featured guest is someone that I mentioned in the first segment. is so impressive because of his accomplishments and what he speaks on. And it really adds another wonderful layer to our show's theme today. Brian Fleming is a combat-wounded veteran and an aspiring author and speaker. He was wounded in action, guys, by a suicide bomber in Afghanistan and now he speaks globally, inspiring audiences and teaching people how to stand firm when everything around them is blowing up. And he's been featured on Fox, CNN, ABC, CBS, CNBC. Yeah, I mean, this brother is all over the place. And for, for good reason, too. His message is about resiliency and how that could change your life, how it could impact your life in multiple ways. So as a result of that, he is our featured guest on the show today. Brian, welcome to the show. 
Hey, thanks for having me. All right. Hey, brother, before we launch into your message and, and what I want our listening audience to, to grasp about resilience, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I served as a team leader in an infantry platoon with the Army's 10th Mountain Division while fighting the ground war in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, while I was there deployed, what I'm most known for is the fact that I was in two vehicles that were blown up and totally destroyed. Uh, one by a roadside bomb, the other by a suicide bomber who exploded three feet away from me and injured me severely, just about killed me. Uh, put me 14 months in medical center during second and third degree. And then I was able to come out of that with the help of some really amazing people uh, who taught me how to use that experience uh, to do good in the world and to move on in life productively. Let me ask you, that's an amazing story. And I want to unwrap that because I, I know that has a lot to do with who you are today. But taking it before that, you, you, you served in our country. Before that, where were, you, uh, where were you from and what kind of brought you to a decision to, to join the, the military? Well, I graduated high school in South Florida and I joined the Army in 2003. We'd already been in Afghanistan for about two years at that point. And, uh, you know, I, I'd been all over the world to different countries, uh, a few different countries at that point in my life even that early on. And I knew that America uh, was and still is the exception. Uh, there are a lot of great places in the world, but most of the world is not as privileged and blessed as America is. And I, I really never wanted anyone to ever say, be able to say, you know, Brian, you, you get to enjoy all this because better men than you like bled and died for us. Like somebody gave this to you. I thought, you know, I should at least, I need to contribute at least a few years of my life to preserving that and being a part of continuing on that tradition of human freedoms that we enjoy. That's amazing, brother. And I'm glad that you did that because that does set uh, a nice precedence for, for those that also want to share in that same experience. My son is serving right now also in the United States Marines. And I know when I speak with him, his decision to, uh, to join the Corps right after high school uh, has a lot to do with what you just said, Brian. He wanted to be a contributor, not a bystander. And uh, that's what motivates him to this day. But your message is one of resiliency. Now, is that something that you saw examples of in your earlier years? Uh, obviously, in your later years, I'm sure. But was that something that took root early on? I wouldn't say I saw examples of it so much as in my earlier years, like when, I, when my parents divorced, when I was about 12, uh, I had to be resilient. And I didn't know what resilience was. Mm -hmm. I just knew that, that life really sucked at that point. My mother had moved to Florida from Michigan. I didn't go with her at that point. I stayed with my dad, uh, but he went to jail. And so I'm 12 years old. I pretty much have nobody. And then you have all these teen year issues and every, every just daily life figuring stuff out. And you just, you just you know, you, you put up with it. You deal with it. And so from an early age, and in a lot of ways, I had to be resilient. I didn't know what that was. I was just trying to get by. You know, it's amazing. Most people who develop that character trait of resiliency, they don't even realize when they're going through stuff that that is the training ground. That's the boot camp. Yeah, nobody, nobody, wants to be re if you, nobody wants to be resilient. If you have to be resilient, it means you're going through something that really sucks, and nobody wants that. But when you have the ability and the grit developed where you can take a few hits really hard, uh, and you know that because your past experience uh, has built you up to that point. That gives you some real power. 
even though it still really is not a pleasant experience going through anything that requires you to be resilient. You know, I mentioned you, you said something that most people don't want to to go through the experiences that develop resiliency. Resiliency, and by the way, that's that's absolutely true because if you were to ask the average person, um, would they want to experience something that makes them tougher, makes them better, makes them stronger, does develop that trait of resiliency? They would say, hell no, right? They would say, absolutely not. They they want to stay in the in the area of uh, of comfort, of convenience, and I get that. But you don't develop that resiliency muscle at all. But in your opinion, you've had a chance to talk to folks all over the world. Um, I know you've traveled the world, and to one extent or another, for one reason or another, you've traveled the world, met with a lot of people. But in your opinion, based on that travel and that experience, why is it that most people break down or cower when things are blowing up around them? Well, everybody has a sort of ceiling. Uh, in mentally for what they think they can handle. And now that ceiling isn't set in place though. It, it's able to move, but every time we bump up against it, it seems like the hardest thing you ever did. But once you get through something, you realize, wow, that ceiling actually moved up as I pushed through it and I pushed through it. And as you go higher and higher, that ceiling goes higher and higher. A lot of things like could handle are now simple. And I don't know if there ought to be anything you know, anything in life where, uh, where, you know, there won't be an extreme challenge for us because we're always uh, growing and expanding mentally. But, you know, people have that feeling of what they think they can handle, what they're going through. Like there's a great quote by Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman emperor. Mm-hmm. He, he said that when you're distressed by an external thing, it's not the thing itself that troubles you, but your judgment, only your judgment of that thing. And you can wipe that out at a moment's notice. In other words, it's your perception of what you're going through that is troubling you. Because there are things you can't control in this life. There are external circumstances you will never be able to control. And worrying about them and fretting about them is not going to make anything better. It's not going to change it in your favor. But it's your perception of your experience. Because every problem you face presents opportunities. The problem most people have is they they focus so much on the problem or the thing they're worrying about that they overlook the opportunities and miss them. Brian, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, The focus of the problem doesn't allow you to find a solution. And ultimately, that is what has to happen to pull yourself away from a negative place. You've got to not focus on the negativity, but focus on what's the stuff that's going to get me out of this place. And I I want to piggyback on that in a few minutes. But it just occurred to me, you and and I'm sure the listeners are thinking to themselves, okay, wait a minute. Here's a guy who was blown up in a truck uh, twice. Mm-hmm. What went through your mind? Because that's not something that 99.999% of people will ever experience. What went through your mind when you were in the middle of, when you realized, hey, uh, a suicide bomber just uh, blew up my truck. And I've seen the pictures. Your face was busted. Uh, What was going on through your mind about life, family, getting home, surviving? I mean, what was going on through your mind? If you can walk us through that. Well, my first thought, I don't remember the explosion happening. It all happened so fast. But when I woke up in that ditch on the side of the road in Kandahar, all burned and bloody, my first thought was, why would I go to sleep here? 
<laughs> I, didn't really, I, didn't, I didn't remember laying down on the side of the road because I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I, I woke up and I found myself there. So that was my first thought. And, uh, you know, my second thought was really, where's my weapon? Because I was, you know, ready to, you know, expecting to be ambushed or be in a gunfight. You know, the, the typical, you know, uh, tactic and procedure of, of the Taliban, you know, over there was to blow up a vehicle and then fire machine guns into the smoke and kill everybody trying to get out of the vehicle. And so I was outside the vehicle and my weapon was still inside the burning vehicle because uh, it didn't come out with me, apparently. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I realized there was no follow-on ambush, thankfully, and my medic was patching me up and, and he got me medevaced out, saved my life. So as you were kind of heading back to, to base, uh, all patched up, did you ever think about quitting or did you think about, uh, hey, you know what? This is what I signed up for. I can get through this and looking for the next uh, the next mission. Well, there was nothing to quit. I mean, I was injured severely. And people ask me all the time, they say, how would you get through it? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the truth. Here's the truth. I didn't die. Mm-hmm. If you get hurt and you don't die, you have to get through it. Mm-hmm. You just do. And I never, I never thought like, this is the end of my life. I mean, I was like 21, 22 years old, um, you know, 21, 20 or 21. I think I was 20 at the time. And I thought, well, all right, I'm injured. I'm going to, you know, I'll go through whatever this healing process is and I'll see what happens. You know, what, you know, I'll, I'll figure something out. I mean, that was just always my mindset. There was never, I, I don't know. Like the, that, that's just how I, I handled it. I, I made people would say, Oh wow. What happened to you? I'd say, well, I got injured by a suicide bomber, and I'm injured pretty badly, but I'll heal and I'll figure life out as it comes. There was nothing more to it, literally. You know, something a very simple, a very simple understanding of uh, when things go wrong. In your case, terribly wrong, as you just said. You said, "Hey, I didn't die. <laughs> I didn't die." Well, and what I did, yeah, and what I did do is, I fully accepted what happened. A lot of people, they don't want to admit or fully accept where they presently are mm-hmm. because because it's painful or it's uncomfortable. And the problem with that, though, it's like if you're trying to travel to Colorado, say, okay, I want to go to Colorado. Great. Which direction do you drive? Well, if you don't know where you're starting, you can't get to where you're going because if you're starting in Texas, you're going to go a completely different direction to get to Colorado, whereas if you're starting in California – Going to go. I mean, if you get those two mixed up, your starting point, you can go a thousand miles in the wrong direction and never get to where you're trying to go. And that's why it's important to have to you have to admit where you are. Now, like, okay, this is what this actually is. Like, hey, you know, we're six hundred dollars short on rent this month. All right, that's where we are. <laughs> we need to make fifty four dollars every day for the next eleven days. You know, that's like that's your mission forward. Like, that's a snapshot of where you are. And that's what you have to do. Just call it what it is. I just lost my job. We have 30 days to make rent. Whatever that is, it's scary, it's uncomfortable sometimes, but you've got to call it what it is because then not only can you make a plan forward, but other people can know how they can help you forward. You know, Brian, I can sense in you, uh, and I guess that I'm probably accurate in saying that many of our listeners can sense right now, you've got this innate ability uh, to resonate resiliency even in your tone, and uh, that's obvious. As we begin to close out this segment, Brian, and we're going to have you back again for the next segment, 
I continue to point you were mentioning earlier about resiliency. I know that's your message, and we've got great questions in the follow-up segment, but what are some of the high points that you have realized that people need to understand about being resilient in order to get ahead, in order to survive and, and thrive? You know, one of the big things is just expecting hard things to happen. Every Everybody, especially in America, seems to want this comfortable life, and that's ideal. We all want that. But when you expect things to go wrong on your mission or whatever it is you're trying to do, you're not as blown away and destroyed when they actually happen. I mean, if you make a business plan and you think you're going to grow that business and you're not going to hit any hurdles and you're going to close every sale, you're not going to get rejected and you're not going to have your friends and family members make fun of you or say bad things to you or try and dishearten you by telling you how many businesses fail, <laughs> things like that. If you think you're going to grow a business, for example, and you're not going to hit obstacles along the way, one or two of those is going to completely destroy you. But when you expect those ambushes to take place along the way, you can prepare for them mentally and in other ways so you can fight them off when they do come so you can fight through and eventually win. I love it. So being resilient requires you to be realistic about uh, your situation. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I never, I never even planned on talking about resilience. I just happened to be in positions in my life where I had to be, and people started asking me to talk about it. And so, you know, uh, but we all have to. We all face battles. But, you know, expect things to go wrong um, because they eventually will. And Brian, you'll be able to handle them better. Brian, when we come back after the break, I want you to expand a little bit more on resiliency and leadership right after the break. Did you know you can win your divorce without a court fight? Hi, I'm Camille Milner. I'm a collaborative divorce lawyer. Collaborative divorce offers you privacy, efficiency, control, and most of all, it's better for your children. If you would like to learn more about collaborative divorce, visit my website at milner-law.com. That's M-I-L-N-E-R-law.com. Could you benefit from cutting your debts and monthly payments by half or more? Don't let debt stress you out and ruin your financial future. Call Empowering America today. Empowering America is committed to helping you keep more of your hard-earned dollars. Credit cards, medical bills, personal loans, private school loans, all are forms of unsecured debt that burn through your finances. It doesn't have to be that way. Call Empowering America today at 702-899-3854 at 702-899-3854 and learn your options. We're making house calls a thing again. Dispatch Health, in collaboration with Texas Health, dispatches urgent medical care professionals right to your home, work, or wherever you are, whenever you need them. For everything from COVID-19 testing and treatment to more everyday issues like respiratory infections, migraines, dehydration, sprains, strains, and minor fractures, Dispatch Health comes to you. See how it works at DispatchHealth.com DFW. Most major health insurance accepted. Jim's taxes were an unbelievably tangled mess. I'd had almost 10 years of trouble with the IRS trying to get my taxes taken care of. The IRS offered no help. It was horrifying. The IRS just wouldn't work with me. Tim finally called in the big guns. Then Optima got involved, and I mean, they really got involved. Optima Tax Relief, the leading tax resolution firm, is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, and they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. They took care of me like no one else 
ever did. No more phone calls, no more stress. And when it was all over, Tim looked at the final verdict. I fell to my knees when I opened that letter up and read what I read. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. I knew I had a new beginning. Do what Tim did. Call Optima now for a free consultation. It's like having two lives, the one before Optima tax and the one after. Call 800-845-8122. 800-845-8122. 800-845-8122. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I'd like kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Tomorrow? <laughs> Let's check with Mom. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Let's make sure you have everything. Yep. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? 233 North Maple, please. It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Also, find fun activities to do like boating and biking or camping and hiking, plus much more. It's all right in your naturehood. Best day ever. A public service announcement brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. We are having a fantastic conversation with author, resilient speaker, and combat veteran surviving two suicide bombs. Brian Fleming has been sharing with us just an incredible story of tenacity and resiliency and what it takes in order to develop that as a trait that allows you to go from surviving to thriving. But Brian, how can someone in a position of leadership, let's talk about leadership and, and those that have an ability to or, or been given the responsibility to lead others. How can someone in that position of leadership demonstrate resiliency to their organization? Oh, one of the first things you have to do is you have to model it for your own people. When you're going through something difficult and you have to be resilient in your life, your people are watching. Whether you know it or not, they're watching how you handle your situation. And sometimes that is the greatest testament to whether or not they will follow you. I just had a friend the other day telling me about how he was going through something in his life. And people at the office sort of knew about it, but he didn't talk about it. And he was in a position of leadership. And it went on for about six months or so. And after the fact that he came out of it, you know, a number of people came up and said something like, we can't believe how calm, how calmly and how well you handled that. Like, you know, we're facing our own issues in our own lives. And we know what you went through. We know how you got you know, you know, hit 10 ways to Sunday, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And we watched you go through all that. We can't understand how you handled this so well, but you know, now I'm going through something and you know, if you can handle that, I can handle this. I mean, I mean, living it is the biggest thing. Nothing proves anything to, to a person more than setting it. Uh, you know, another thing you have to do, the second thing I would say, there's a number of things, but another thing, is have a vision for your future beyond what you're going through. I learned a lot about this from a guy named Viktor Frankl. He survived the Nazi prison camps. Um, his entire family was killed, his pregnant wife, his elderly parents. 
and he had a one in 28 chance, which are terrible odds, by the way, of getting out of Auschwitz and surviving. Um, but he did, and he was a, a PhD. He was a psychiatrist. He had a vision while he was in the prison camps, in the worst of all conditions, you can't begin to imagine uh, humanly possible. While in that fire, while in that trouble, while in those circumstances, he said to himself, you know, if I get out of here, what I want to do is I want to go and I want to speak in universities around the world, and I want to talk to them about the psychology of concentration camps. Mm. Well, he survived. Do you know what he did after he survived and he was freed by the Americans at the end of World War II? He wrote books, one of the greatest books ever written, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you've never, if you've never read that, you're missing out big time. It's a great uh, every book. person listening. It's a great book. Uh, but what he did is he went around the world speaking in universities, talking on the psychology of prison camps, of concentration camps, and what happens to a person's mind and things like that. He developed that vision for what he wanted in the future while he was in the fire. He didn't wait till he got out. And the thing about this, when you have something that matters to you while you're going through the fire, when you get tired and you're too tired to keep pushing onward and you just want to give up and die, that vision will start to pull you through. It's not that it doesn't require effort and grit on your end, but there's a dynamic about the suffering that changes and it starts pulling you through the suffering rather than you having to push a boulder up a mountain, so to speak. What could you say? Now, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because role modeling becomes a first tactic in being able to grow an organization that is resilient. And now more than ever, right? We've got so many things that have happened in 2020, obviously for the last uh, you know, 11 months. But it is a time to be resilient. So what can you speak to, uh, to us about that, about community resiliency, individual resiliency during this time? And who knows what? the next few months, next year can bring, how can you help people understand the, the shape the way they think and be more resilient during these times? Well, one of the, the other things you need to do is you need to be open to help. Mm. I mean, in the military, we have all kinds of units and we're allies. You know, we have a phrase in the army that, you know, a lone ranger is a dead ranger. You know, nobody wins a war on their own. There are no Rambos. You don't win a battle. I mean, the first if you're a soldier in a war zone and you're alone, you're going to be the first one to get captured or killed. And uh, a lot of people are close to that. They don't want people to know what they're going through. The problem is they can they could extract you out of that out of that out of that that firefight if they only knew you were in one. Uh, but by you not telling them because you want to appear tough or strong or your ego is driving you, whatever the case, uh, nobody knows that they can help you. I mean, we, we had, uh, you know, air support on hand. You know, I, did, I was in a, a 17-man platoon living in the mountains in Afghanistan, you know, fighting Taliban in the mountains. And, you know, we often had A-10 warthogs, warplanes. We had Apache gunship helicopters. We had B-52 bombers and fighter jets. as close air support that would come by, and they would do gun runs, and they would bomb our enemies when we called them in. Think about how stupid it would be if we were on the ground and we were getting overrun or really getting it handed to us by a superior force, and we looked to our leader and said, hey, call in air support. You know, there's 17 of us, 
there's 150 of them. You know, this is going to be bad. And they're about a half mile away or a quarter mile away. What if the leader said, no, we're not going to call in air support. We don't want higher up in command to think, we don't want the commander to think we can't handle ourselves in battle. That would be stupid. Strong mm-hmm. people don't do that. Stupid mm-hmm. people do that. And they get themselves and other, other people killed when that need not be the case, and when that doesn't need to happen. And everybody hearing me tell this story would say, yeah, that would make total sense. But you and I do it every single day in our lives. Mm. You struggle financially, or you see a friend you haven't seen in a while, and you're struggling in your marriage, says, hey, how are things? You go, oh, man, things are great. No, things aren't great. Your kids resent you and your wife hates you. Things aren't great, bud. Like, you need some freaking air support. Mm. <laughs> you need to find someone who knows how to deal with the issue you're dealing with and get their advice and try to win this battle. And people say, well, I don't want people to know what I'm going through. Trust me, we know. We can, in most cases, we all, we can see what you're going through, whether you think we can or not. The thing about allies is this, having that air support in your life, so to speak. Everyone else can see your battlefield from a different perspective than you can. The, the A-10 pilot flying 2,000 feet above the battlefield in Afghanistan has a very different view of my battlefield than I do as a grunt on the ground going up and down mountains. And he can see things that I can't see. He can say, don't go over there, just 50 more of them, but go this way instead. Uh, we have friendly forces coming that from that direction. You can link up with them and fight the enemy together and win. See, that's very different. But if I'm not open to hearing that, then I can't get help. I can't get the help I need, and I might just run into it and stir up a hornet's nest and not even realize it until it's too late. Brian, what you just said there, I got to be honest with you, brother, was so powerful that if we were to end our segment right now, which we're not going to, so we're not letting you off talk that easily, uh, would be enough for someone who's paying attention to walk away with a golden nugget. I always... Uh, ask for a golden nugget of wisdom, a sort of a parting gift from our guests that our listeners could take away and immediately <laughs> impact. And you just gave it away without me even asking for it. <laughs> so that is fantastic because the point that you made where those bombers have a different understanding of the scenario because you're on the ground, they're in the air, their perspective is different from yours, so they're going to be able to, to share information and intel that's going to help you move in the right direction because they've got a different perspective than, than you have. Well, but, and people say, well, they don't know what it's like to be on the ground. They don't know what it's like to be in my shoes. The ATAM pilot doesn't have to know what it's like to be a grunt to be able to bomb my enemies and help me get out of that place. And the people in your life who have never been in your shoes, sometimes it's the fact that they've not been affected by the same situation you have, that they can provide you the answer you actually need to get out because they have, they're not hindered from the solution like you are. Being able to reach out for help is so critical uh, that I, I just, I hope that people pay attention to that because you nailed it, brother. It's how you win wars. Man, it's excellent. Brian, let me ask you as we wrap up this segment where could people i know you've got some books so if you want to take a a little bit of uh, a few seconds to talk about your books talk about your speaking engagement you speak all over the place you speak for many many companies where could people find more about uh, you and what you've got coming up and track you down if they want to hire you for as a speaker rather 
yeah. Well, my, my website is easy to remember. It's blownupguy.com because I'm a guy and I got blown up. And so <laughs> just go to blownupguy.com and you'll see all the speaking I do live and virtually for companies and organizations all over the world and teaching their people how to stand firm when everything around is blowing up in their lives and in their business. And, uh, you know, these things work. When you view, when you view your life within the context of war, you, you regain back control of your life. And these resilient strategies, these things I talk about, uh, you know, historically they're proven. They work in combat, they're proven. And they've worked historically for people, some of the most resilient people in the world uh, you've ever heard of or not heard of. And they work in combat, and they'll work in your life too. Guys, we're going to post up Brian's information at our website, the links to his download, to his, he's got a booklet that he wants to offer to everyone as well. You can pick up all his information also at our show website, thejmamietalkshow.com. Brian, we appreciate you being on the show today, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. We'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Guys, we'll be right back after the break. Are you having a hard time obtaining a mortgage approval, especially now through this pandemic? At Evolve Bank and Trust Mortgage, we can help you navigate and sail through the sometimes treacherous process of mortgage financing. Hi, my name is John Astrologer, and I'm a senior mortgage banker with Evolve Bank and Trust Mortgage. I will help you find a loan that fits your individual needs. Please call me at 845-661-4049 to discuss. Again, 845-661-4049, NMLS number 441861. Evolve Bank and Trust is an equal housing lender, all loan subject to credit approval, corporate NMLS number 509256. Are your health insurance premiums making your wallet sick? Good news, you have options. Care Insurance has been providing health insurance to thousands of families and business owners over the last 12 years with an average savings of 40% with the same or better benefits. In fact, they guarantee that if they can't give you a better price with better coverage, they'll give you 50 bucks just for getting a quote. So make sure that you reach out to the folks at Care. 1-800-291-5279, AffordaCareInsurance.com. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. My son, he lives with me, and, and we both take it every day, and the results are wonderful. But when he was younger, he was in his early 20s, we went skiing, and he had a skiing incident where his big toe on his right foot, the nail got injured, and he lost the toenail. It came back really weird and ugly, and it's been that way for the last 30 years. In about four months of us taking the products on a daily basis, his toenail came back perfect. Yeah, I wanted to share that with somebody because it was like astronomical. So we're really very happy with the product. Don't wait to see how Balance of Nature can improve your health from your head to your toes. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code DALLAS. Welcome back to Thrive Time with Jay Mamie. Welcome back, everyone, to the Jay Mamie Talk Show. This is Jay Mamie, and I am excited to have as our business spotlight today, Dr. Carlos Chapa. I mentioned earlier in the show that Dr. Carlos Chapa is also a veteran, a military doctor veteran, and one of the most sought-after and, uh, and interesting individuals that speaks about holistic medicine. He's a holistic physician. He's the founder of Acupuncture and Integrative Medical Center right here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Dr. Carlos has been someone that has had an impact in the lives of so many who have sought alternative uh, medicinal strategies and techniques. And that's the reason why he's on the show today. Dr. Chapa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
why don't we first get started with learning a little bit more about you, Dr. Chapa? Uh, sure. Um, let's see. My mother's from Cuba. Uh, she moved to the Bronx when she was a kid. My dad's Mexican. Uh, he moved from Chihuahua to Dallas, and they both met in New York City. And within two years, I was born. So I was born in Flushing, Queens, uh, oh, New York. New York. And uh, <laughs> and for those that don't know, uh, Flushing, Queens is a mixed Korean, Chinese, uh, one of the most densely populated you know areas in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did move to Dallas when I was in high school. Uh, so it was a culture shock, but it was one of the best things ever because it made me look at the uh, you know the world in a in a different viewpoint. Um, let's see. After that, uh, my junior and senior year, I got involved in JRLTC. Um, really enjoyed that. I was in the rifle team, and that's what got me uh, interested in the military. So actually, my junior year, I signed up uh, to the Navy. And actually, I was so young, my mother actually had to co-sign for me. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, I think within a week of graduating high school, I was in, I was in boot camp. <laughs> wow. There was no wasting time there. No, I mean, I, I honestly, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Uh, I know a lot of people go to college and they have an idea. Uh, part of me wanted, you know, to serve my country, of course, but also learn a skill and get some type of direction and idea of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, that's what led me into the Navy and, I ended up being a hospital corpsman, uh, which is a, a Marine medic, actually. And I did that for five years, actually, active duty, working mostly in emergency rooms. And that's what got me really, really into, you know, helping people. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I also volunteered as a paramedic in Virginia Beach. And I just kept on studying as much as I could about uh, all the different uh, modalities and facets of medicine. And, uh, yeah, that was Got out in 2000, actually. So, yeah, five years active duty. Now, you've had travels all over the world, spent a lot of time in the Far East, and I imagine that's where you sort of learned about uh, holistic medicine. But what inspired you to pursue this type of of medical treatment? Well, I was studying Chinese language uh, in in, uh, NYU uh, back in, I think it was 2000, 2001, and going to China. So this is back in the day with the chat rooms of AOL, made a few online friends, and the next thing I know, I'm I'm flying over there to really get exposed to the culture, the people, uh, the language, and whatnot. Met a few doctors and nurse friends, and I actually got exposed in the hospitals how they're integrating, well, they have been integrating Eastern and Western medicine. Uh, so a doctor's a doctor down there. It's just the different tools that they use. And it just blew me away because I actually saw results within days. Mm. And actually sometimes the same day, same treatment, I would see results that it usually takes a typical hospital weeks or even months. And I'm talking specifically about neurological issues like strokes, uh, paralysis, mm. people that can't walk. I mean, it was pretty mind-blowing. And honestly, within a few trips, I knew that this was my calling, that I needed to learn about this. And um, that's what I did. (laughs) So having had the experience of understanding, working, and applying uh, Western uh, medicinal uh, techniques and and strategies and, and services, now learning the Eastern approaches, what are the differences between Western and Eastern approaches to healing and medicine? The biggest 
difference uh, in the very definition of allopathic medicine, which is what we nickname Western medicine. Uh, the literal definition is treating a disease by drugs uh, and or surgery mm. um, and focusing on the symptoms where a more of a Eastern or holistic or alternative medicine, for the most part, we're focusing on the root cause, uh, the root issue. And we focus on the patterns, not only the symptoms. And of course, non-pharmaceutical, non-surgical. Why is it that you feel that, that most Americans, I'm curious about this. Why is it that you feel that most Americans don't understand the value of holistic medicine and treatment when clearly it's effective, it works, but most people still don't understand the value, therefore they don't pursue it? Why do you think that is? I think the biggest thing is it's just we're not exposed to it, you know, and it's hard to understand something that we're not exposed to. Even in a typical uh, medical program, there's usually not even one nutritional class mm. yet. Most of us ask our doctors about nutrition, for example. But I think number one is uh, education or lack of and the exposure. And honestly, I think our culture, uh, I think most of us much rather take a pill than make some changes and really uh, do their part in the treatment process. And that's one of the first things that I, I ask and I honestly expect my patients to do. Like They must do their part. So I know it's easier said than done, but this is the only way that I've seen that real healing, real reversal of diseases and patients get better faster. Do you think that that there's a sort of a a lack of transparency or a lack of, of education, a lack of literacy uh, that it's it's intentional because obviously medicinal applications require pharmaceuticals? Right, and there's big money in that. Whereas holistic, it doesn't doesn't necessarily doesn't do that. You think that there is something to be said about lack of information, um, intended lack of information to help people stay stuck on the medicines and the prescriptions as a way to to healing it better. Um, I think that most doctors really care about their patients, but when you're only when your only tool in your toolbox is a pill. I mean, that's all you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's part of it. Yes, there's a business aspect to it, but I think it's more education or lack of more than anything else. My opinion, I think we just over-medicate. That's all. You go to different countries, whether it's Japan, whether it's Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, or even Italy, France, where you name it, most people are not taking a bag full of medications like we are. I mean, I think the statistic is... Um, uh, USA makes up 7% of the po- world's population, yet they take like 40% of the world's medication. Wow. Um, wow. You know, it might be off a few percentages, but I mean, that that's pretty, that's pretty high. Um, I don't think one medicine is better than the other, though, at the same time. That's why I named my clinic Integrative Medicine, and mm-hmm. I truly mean that. Uh, most of our patients actually are referred by physicians, and most of the time that... These patients are not getting better. Uh, the doctors feel stuck, and they honestly don't also don't have the time to spend with their patients. So even if they wanted to, they can't spend 20, 30, 40 minutes an hour uh, with the patient unless you know you're doing the concierge service, like you know Jerry Jones family or whatnot. Uh, but for the rest of us, I mean, we're stuck. What's the average time? Two minutes. It's just not enough time. By the way, I've been to your facility, and it is a state of the art. Fantastic, fantastic facility, and I know that it is only 
you're working on making it better. And I, I can't imagine what it'll look like once you arrive at that place where you feel uh, that your vision have come to pass because it's it's gorgeous. It's state of the art. It's fantastic uh, as it is now. Tell us what someone can expect if they come see you and, and, and visit your clinic. I think the first thing is that we're going to spend time. So I have some patients that come in and they're like, hey, I got to leave in 20 minutes. And the first thing I tell them is like, let's just reschedule. Um, to get to the root cause, it's like uh, Sherlock Holmes, we have to dig in deeper. So, for example, a patient comes in and let's say they had back pain. Um, I want to know why, not just their MRI shows this or that. Or what if it's uh, a young woman that those are crazy and the doctor's only solution is getting them on birth control or something like that. So we really take time and it's not uncommon for us to even spend an hour plus with the patient. So I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is, once again, we look at the patient and different viewpoints. So we, you know, we look at the patient as far as their, their diagnosis, but we also want to look at the, the blood work for MRIs or whatnot, for example. So if you could give us a testimony, I'm sure you've got a ton, but can you give us a testimonial, maybe one or two of people that have come to visit you and now they're on the other side of the treatment and your care great for our audience to understand through a testimonial the benefit of visiting you and your clinic? Well, even though we see pain, that's probably the number one condition that we see, musculoskeletal, spinal pain or whatnot. My favorite things to eat are the ones that you don't have to ask the patients that everyone notices a change. So, for example, one of my specialties is Bell's palsy or facial paralysis. Usually within a few weeks, patients are 90% plus better you know, their, their smile comes back, they're talking, they're able to speak and blink and everything else. Um, those are, like I said, one of my favorites. Blindness conditions, you know, some patients that go back to their doctor and the doctor's like, look, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, you got a 30 40%, 50% return of your vision. Keep on doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's all we ask is just give this a chance. Uh, but, yeah, our website has countless testimonials. We're still working on that stuff. But uh, those are, like I said, our, our biggest things that we see. So as we wrap up the segment, uh, Dr. Chapa, in our last minute here, what is the one takeaway that you want people to know about holistic medicine, about your clinic, and about you? you the person that's going to meet with them. What, what's that one takeaway you want people to know? That there's always hope, and you always have options. And even though a lot of people have different opinions, um, you know, find out for yourself if there's something else you can be doing and take responsibility for your health. Um, and we'll, we're here and we'll be, you know, we'll love to be part of your treatment team. But like I said, you, we're going to help you help you and uh, let the results speak for themselves. Okay. And can you give us the website one more time and the contact number? Uh, our office is 972-444-0660. And our website is www. Dr. Chapa, D-R-C-H-A-P-A dot com. Dr. Chapa, we appreciate you being on the show. We're going to have you back next year to cover even more content because we just scratched the surface today. But I appreciate you being on the show, brother. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, that's a wrap. We're going to call it here a day. What a fantastic show we've had talking with Brian Fleming about resiliency and then holistic medicine with Dr. Chapa. Folks, You can keep on coming back and expect to get quality broadcasting 
content that will help you thrive. We'll see you next week.